to another episode of the Bible Podcast. Today we're going to be covering chapters 22 to 24 of Genesis. We'll jump right into chapter 22. Abraham's faith tested. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a blunt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire, for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told us the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulder. shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them worked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the Lord, then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies, and through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Then they returned to the servants and traveled back to Beersheba, where Abraham continued to live. Soon after this, Abraham heard that Milcah, his brother, Nahor's wife, had borne Nahor eight sons. The oldest was named Uz. The next oldest was Buzz, followed by Camuel. 
Kesed Hazel, Pirdash, Chitlaf, and Bethuel. In addition to these eight sons from Micah, Nahor had four other children from his concubine, Ramah. Their names were Teba, Gaham, Tahash, and Makah. Here in chapter 22, in the first, in the first verses, in the first two verses, God's request that Abraham sacrifices his son was a great test of faith, perhaps the greatest such test in history. Abraham's lifelong dreams were being realized in his beloved son Isaac. Wasn't God's promise of numerous descendants to be fulfilled? through this child but Abraham believed that God had his best in mind and Abraham was right he believed that no matter what God required of him his obedience to God's plan was most important he trusted that God would still make his promise come true even without Isaac our faith in God's plan for us may be similarly tested are we ready to follow through with obedience though I wanted to just quickly touch base on something before we continue. Um, Middle children aren't the only ones who sometimes get overlooked. Middle patriarchs can suffer the same fate. About two dozen times, the Bible uses some form of the phrase, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, we know fairly well, and Jacob we remember as the father of 12 sons who founded the 12 tribes of Israel. But Isaac, Isaac who? That's too bad. Because in one sense, everything depends on Isaac. Isaac was the only son of Abraham and Sarah, born miraculously to the couple when they were too old, quote-unquote, to have children. Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was only 10 years younger. In addition, Sarah had been barren her whole life. Yet God had promised the couple a son, and a son he gave them. Despite their advanced years and despite their doubts, can you imagine being Isaac? From the earliest days, you hear over and over, from your elderly parents how you were living, you were a living miracle. Your father tells you how God promised how both she and your dad, sorry, your father tells you how God promised a son, yet waited a quarter of a century to fulfill his promise. Your mother tells you how both she and your dad chuckled in disbelief at God's announcement of your coming birth. And then how they both laughed tears of joy at your arrival. Even your name, Isaac, has meaning he laughs. Then after all of that, one day your aged father tells you to get prepared for a trip. You are going to a sacred place to make a sacrifice, he says. You notice that he seems especially troubled on these on this three-day journey. Yet you mark it down as fatigue from the journey or just your imagination and anyway who are you a mere boy 
to question this vulnerable soul who receives promises direct from the lips of God. Still, it bothers you, and he has not brought an animal to sacrifice, and you ask him about it. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, he replies. Then go silent. You reach your destination and your beloved father, the one who has told you again and again about your destiny and about his love for you, binds you with a strong rope, places you on an altar he has guilt, he has built, and raises his knife above your chest. Then your terror changes to a tidal wave of relief when an unseen voice calls out from heaven, don't lay a hand on that boy. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your own son, your only son. Chapter 22, verse 12. Isaac, of course, lived to be 180 years old and fathered Jacob, thus continuing the unbroken line that eventually led to Jesus Christ. And because of Christ, the Apostle Paul can say to us, And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise, just like Isaac. Galatians 4.28 so with this kind of heritage, it probably wouldn't bother Isaac too much that we sometimes forget his story. It would take a lot more than that to bother his son of promise whose name means he laughs. continuing on I want to discuss when love of God and love of family collide just like we just saw in chapter 22 promise keepers and focus on the family tell men that to love God means to love your family but what if duties to God and family collide They did for Abraham, who struggled with this disturbing dilemma nearly four millennia ago. Things didn't turn out like anybody expected. Abraham had already demonstrated his deep faith in God. When God called him and told him to set out for a distant land, Abraham went, even though he didn't know exactly where he was going. Years later, Abraham endured an even more difficult crucible of faith when God once again called him, delivering one of the most disturbing commands in the entire Bible. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Genesis 22, verse 2. The passage doesn't record Abraham's inner torment at receiving this command. We aren't told whether or not Abraham talked to Sarah who had waited so long to give her husband a son. All we get is the simple report. The next morning, Abraham got up early and saddled his donkey. He took Isaac with him. He also took a knife. He chopped some wood for the fire and descended the mountain God had told him would be the site of the sacrifice. But then just when Abraham Abraham's hand was poised to kill Isaac. God intervened. Don't lay a hand on that boy. Abraham was freed from his horrible predicament. Imagine his joy as he untied his son. 
for his willingness to obey God no matter what the cost. Abraham was richly blessed. In verses 8 through 13, here we find Abraham about to sacrifice his son Isaac. Much to the relief of Abraham and Isaac, however, God provided a substitute. We do not know what Abraham had in mind when he told his son that God would provide a sacrifice. But we do know that God has provided a sacrifice for us. Not simply a ram caught in a thicket, but his only son. Anyone who believes in him will have the means for discovering a new life now. And through eternity as well. In verses 16 through 18, we see that the love Abraham must have felt for his long awaited son, how his heart must have ached at the thought of killing him. How could this have been right? At the end of the story, we see that God spared Isaac by providing a ram as a substitute. God has provided a substitute for all of us, Jesus Christ. God did not spare himself the pain of seeing his son suffer and die. He suffered so that we might be spared suffering and be redeemed from sin and its destructive effects. Chapter 23, The Burial of Sarah When Sarah was 127 years old, she died at Kiriath Arba, now called Hebron, in the land of Canaan. There Abraham mourned and wept for her. Then, leaving her body, he said to the Hittite elders, Here I am, a stranger and a foreigner among you. Please sell me a piece of land so I can give my wife a proper burial. The Hittites replied to Abraham, Listen, my lord. You are an honored prince among us. Choose the finest of our tombs and bury her there. No one here will refuse to help you in this way. Then Abraham bowed low before the Hittites and said, Since you are willing to help me in this way, be so kind to ask Ephron, son of Zohar, to let me buy his cave at Machpelah, down at the end of this field. I will pay the full price in the presence of witnesses, so I will have a permanent burial place for my family. Ephraim was sitting there among the others, and he answered Abraham as the others listened. Speaking publicly before all the Hittite elders of the town, No, my lord, he said to Abraham, please listen to me. I will give you the field and the cave here in the presence of my people. I give it to you. Go and bury you're dead. Abraham again bowed low before the citizens of the land, and he replied to Ephraim, As everyone listened, No, listen to me. I will buy it from you. Let me pay the full price for the field so I can bury my dead there. Ephraim answered Abraham, My lord, please listen to me. The land is worth 400 pieces of silver. But what is that between friends? Go ahead and bury your dead. So Abraham agreed to Ephron's price and paid the amount he had suggested, 400 pieces of silver. 
weighed according to the market standard, the Hittite elders witnessed the transaction. So Abraham bought the plot of land belonging to Ephron at Machpelah, near Mamre. This included the field itself, the cave, and what was in it, and all the surrounding trees. It was transferred to Abraham as his permanent possession in the presence of the Hittite elders at the city gate. Then Abraham buried his wife Sarah there in Canaan in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre. So the field and the cave were transferred from the Hittites to Abraham for use as permanent burial place. Here in chapter 23, the first two verses in this chapter, we see Abraham mourning for his precious wife, Sarah. His grief was genuine, and he wanted to make proper preparations for paying his last respects. Grief comes into each of our lives, and proper channels for its expression must be found. If we fail to grieve properly over our personal losses, releasing our sorrows to God, it will be easy to fall away from God as we try to hide the pain. If we express our pain constructively, it will be less likely to undermine our relationship with God and inhibit our spiritual growth. Chapter 24, A Wife for Isaac Abraham was now a very old man, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. One day Abraham said to his oldest, oldest servant, the man in charge of his household, Take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. The servant asked, But what if I find, what if I can't find a young woman who is willing to travel so far from home? Should I then take Isaac there to live among your relatives in the land you came from? No, Abraham responded. Be careful never to take my son there, for the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and my native land, Solemnly, <coughs> solemnly promised to give this land to my descendants. He will send his angel ahead of you, and he will see to it that you find a wife there for my son. If she is unwilling to come back with you, then you are free from this oath of mine. But under no circumstances are you to take my son there. So the servant took an oath by putting his hand under the thigh of his master, Abraham. He swore to follow Abraham's instructions. Then he loaded ten of Abraham's camels with all kinds of expensive gifts from his master. And he traveled to the distant Aram Naharim. There he went to the town where Abraham's brother Nahor had settled. He made the camels kneel beside a well just outside the town. It was evening, and the women were coming out to draw water. O Lord, God of my master, Abraham, he prayed, please give me success today and show unfailing love to my master, Abraham. 
See, I am standing here beside the spring, and the young women of the town are coming out to draw water. This is my request. I will ask one of them. Please give me a drink from your jug. If she says yes, have a drink, and I will water your camels too. Let her be one you have selected as Isaac's wife. This is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. Before he had finished praying, he saw a young woman named Rebecca coming out with her water jug on her shoulders. She was the daughter of Bethel, who was the son of Abraham's brother Nahor and his wife Milcah. Rebekah was very beautiful and old enough to be married, but she was still a virgin. She went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came up again. Running over to her, the servant said, Please give me a little drink of water from your jug. Yes, my lord, she answered. Have a drink, and she quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder and gave him a drink. When she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her jug into the watering trough and ran back to the well to draw water for all the camels. The servant watched her in silence, wondering whether or not the Lord had given him success in his mission. Then at last, when the camels had finished drinking, he took out a gold ring for her nose and two large gold bracelets for her wrist. Whose daughter are you? he asked. And please tell me, would would your father have any room to put us up for the night? I am the daughter of Bethel, she replied. My grandpa and parents are Nahor and Melchah. Yes, we have plenty of straw and feed for the camels, and we have room for the guests. The man bowed low and worshipped the Lord. Praise the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, he said. The Lord has shown unfailing love and faithfulness to my master, for he has led me straight to my master's relatives. The young woman ran home to tell her family everything that had happened. Now Rebecca had a brother named Laban, who ran out to meet the man at the spring. He had seen the nose ring and the bracelets on his sister's wrist and had heard Rebecca tell what the man had said. So he rushed out to the spring where the man was still standing beside his camels. Laban said to him, Come and stay with us, you who are blessed by the Lord. Why are you standing here outside the town when I have room all ready for you and placed a place prepared for the camels. So the man went home with Laban, and Laban unloaded the camels, gave them straw for their bedding, fed them, and provided water for the man and the camel drivers to wash their feet. Then food was served, but Abraham's servant said, I don't want to eat until I have told you why I've come. All right, Laban said, tell us. I am Abraham's servant, he explained. And the Lord has greatly blessed my master. He has become a wealthy man. The Lord has given him flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle, a fortune in silver and gold, and many male and female servants, and camels and donkeys. When Sarah, my master's wife, was very old, she gave birth to my master's son, and my master was, has given him everything he owns. And my master made me take an oath, he said, do not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Go instead to my father's house, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son. But I said to my master, what if I can't find a woman 
who is willing to go back with me? He responded, The Lord in whose presence I have lived will send his angel with you and will make you make your mission successful. Yes, you must find a wife for my son from among my relatives from my father's family. Then you will, will have fulfilled your obligation. But if you go to my relatives and they refuse to let her go with you, you will be free from my oath. So today when I came to the spring, I prayed this prayer. O oh Lord, God of my master Abraham, please give me success on this mission. See, I am standing here beside this spring. This is my request. When a young woman comes to draw water, I will say to her, please give me a little drink of water from your jug. If she says, yes, have a drink and I will draw water for your camels too. Let her be the one you have selected to be the wife of my master's son. Before I had finished praying in my heart, I saw Rebecca coming out with her water jug on her shoulders. She went down to the spring and drew water. So I said to her, please give me a drink. She quickly lowered her jug from her shoulder and said, yes, have a drink and I will water your camels too. So I drank, then she watered the camels. Then I asked, whose daughter are you? She replied, I am the daughter of Bethel and my grandparents are Noah and Milka. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her wrists. Then I bowed low and worshiped the Lord. I praised the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, because he had led me straight to my master's niece to be his son's wife. So tell me, will you or won't you show unfailing love and faithfulness to my master? Please tell me yes or no, and then I'll know what to do next. Then the bond in Bethel replied, the Lord has obviously brought you here so there is nothing we can say here is rebecca take her and go yes let her be the wife of your master's son as the lord has directed when abraham's servant heard their answer he bowed down to the ground and worshiped the lord then he brought out silver and gold jewelry and clothing and presented them to Rebekah. He also gave expensive presents to her brother and mother. Then they ate their meal, and the servant and the man and the men with him stayed there overnight. But early the next morning, Abraham's servant said, "Send me back to my master." But we went. But we want Rebekah to stay with us at least ten days. Her brother and mother said, "Then she can go." But he said, Don't delay me. The Lord has made my mission successful. Now send me back so I can return to my master. Well, they said, We'll, re we'll call Rebecca and ask her what she thinks. So they called Rebecca. Are you willing to go with this man? They asked her. And she replied, Yes, I will go. So they said goodbye to Rebecca and sent her away with Abraham's servant and his men. The women, the woman who had been Rebecca's childhood nurse went along with her. They gave her this blessing as she parted. Our sister, may you become the mother of many millions. May you, your descendants be strong and conquer the cities of their enemies. Then Rebecca and her servant girls mounted the camels and followed the man. So Abraham, Abraham's servant took Rebecca and went on his way. Meanwhile, Isaac, whose home was in the Negev, had returned from one evening as he was walking and meditating 
in the fields, we looked up and saw the camels coming. When Rebekah looked up and saw Isaac, she quickly dismounted from her camel. Who is the man walking through the fields to meet us? She asked the servant. And he replied, It is my master. So Rebekah covered her face with her veil. Then the servant told Isaac everything he had done. And Isaac brought Rebekah into his mother Sarah's tent. And she became his wife. He loved her deeply, and she was special comfort to him after the death of his mother. This chapter was a lot longer uh, than the other ones, but there was a specific verse that I wanted to cover, and that was the very last verse of of our reading. Verse 67, when we lose someone close to us, it is important that we take time for rebuilding. It is encouraging to notice that after losing one major family relationship, Isaac found comfort in a new one. As people are taken away from us, God will provide others to give us the support we need to live a healthy and productive life. In this chapter 24, um, when it was time for Abraham to find a wife for his son Isaac, he went to some extraordinary measures. Abraham didn't want his son to marry one of the local Canaanite girls. He wanted a woman from his homeland. More important, he wanted the woman God had planned. So Abraham sent his chief servant to the watering hole back home. This wasn't a seedy tavern with sticky beer on the floor and the stale smoke in the air. It was an actual watering hole where locals brought their containers and camels. Abraham's servant knew the importance of finding just the right woman for his master's son to marry. So he prayed this prayer. O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please give me success today. To make sure he would find the right wife, the servant set up a unique test. He would ask one of the women to look for water, and if she gave some to him and also offered the water to the camels, he would know she was the one. Soon a beautiful young woman named Rebecca came along. She passed the test with flying colors but one thing still needed to happen before wedding bells could ring the servant journeyed with Rebecca to meet Bethuel her father he told Bethuel the whole story and asked if he could if he would permit permit Rebecca to marry Isaac please tell me yes or no and then I'll know what to do next chapter 24 verse 49 after Bethel gave his enthusiastic blessing, Rebekah left her home and traveled with Abraham's servant back to Canaan to marry Isaac. Maybe more marriages would last longer today if men and women sought God's will for their lives and tried to work things out in advance with their future in-laws. So that concludes our reading for today. And I was just going to quickly summarize what chapters 22 through 24 God's call to 
offer Isaac as a sacrifice sounds completely out of character. Does God endorse human sacrifice? Nuances is important here. Abraham is called to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, not to sacrifice him. It's an offer God rejects. While Abraham gets some of Scripture's toughest assignments, he doesn't hesitate to obey. He knows God isn't going to make him kill Isaac, or that if he does, he'll resurrect him. This is a huge faith, but it's not the size of our faith that makes things happen. It's the plan of our God. God's plan is to preserve Isaac and to test Abraham. We often picture Isaac as a boy here, but Jewish historians say he's a teenager at the youngest, but more likely 25, enough to carry wood, is strong enough to resist their elderly assassin, but Isaac doesn't resist. The wood is laid on him, just like it was laid on Christ. Isaac is a Christ type. This story points us toward something greater. While he's on the altar, the angel of the Lord, probably Jesus, hits the brakes. God provides a substitute, just like Abraham said. Abraham gives God a name when this happens. In scripture, names are based on what you do. They represent your activity. Abraham calls God the Lord who provides. God's name reveal God's names reveal his character and actions. And where he provides is noteworthy too. It was on the mount of the Lord. Most people believe this mountain is where Solomon builds the temple and that it's also on this short stretch of mountains that Jesus is crucified. On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Chapter 22, verse 14. And it was. God reiterates his promise. In your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. This foretells the birth of Jesus, who came to save people from every nation, even people who aren't descendants of Abraham. When Sarah dies, Abraham negotiates a burial spot for her in Canaan, the very land God promised him. This isn't just caves and fields and silver coins, it's significant. Abraham wants to make sure everything is in order for his death, so he makes an oath with his servant in a way that's customary at the time, by putting a hand under his under the thigh. The widely accepted meaning is that it's more likely the general thigh region where one might swear on their offspring. Isaac is still single, and Abraham knows he'll need to marry in order to fulfill the promise. Abraham and Isaac live in the land of their enemies, the Canaanites who aren't circumcised and, circumcised and don't live according to God's ways. But because it's the land God promised them, Abraham has to stay put. There are zero women his son can worship. Sorry, there there are zero zero women his son can marry there, because he was to make sure Isaac only marries someone who worships Yahweh. You can see 
the conundrum. His servant treks to Abraham's homeland and heads straight for the well. Where all the young women go to draw water, he asks God for help and direction. And before he finishes praying, the answer to his prayers appear. She's kind and helpful, and most importantly, is from Abraham's clan. So they worship the same God. As she's leaving, her family prays the same blessing over her that God spoke over Isaac. Then, while 40-year-old Isaac is out working in the field, he meets Rebecca, who had been out working at the well. They're both walking out their calling, and God crosses their path through a weird oath, a servant's prayer, and a bunch of camels. God speaks to Abraham in specific yet vague ways like, One of the mountains of which I shall tell you, and the land that I will show you. Many of us want God to tell us the whole plan so we can do it. But the point is not just doing what God wants, but doing it with God. It's kind of like this. Let's say you're going on a road trip to a friend's beach house, and you have two options. One, you ask a friend to tell you the destination, type it into your GPS, then wave goodbye as you head out on your own. Or two, you ask your friend to get in the car with you and show you the way there. We're on a journey with God as he leads us step by step. It's way more beautiful to enjoy the intimacy that comes in the constant interaction because the beach house may be awesome, but he's where the joy is. Amen. We'll finish off on the daily devotional for today. I am the culmination of all your hopes and desires. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, who is and was and is to come. Before you knew me, you expressed your longing for me in hurtful ways. You were ever so vulnerable to the evil around you in the world, but now my presence safely shields you, enfolding you in my loving arms. I have lifted you out of darkness into my marvelous light. Though I have brought many pleasures into your life, not one of them is essential. Receive my blessings with open hands. Enjoy my good gifts, but do not cling to them. Turn your attention to the giver of all good things and rest in the knowledge that you are complete in me. The one thing you absolutely need is the one thing you can never lose my presence with you. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Bible Podcast, and I hope you all have a blessed day. God bless each and every one of you.